This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. This is season five, episode 68 with me, your host, Alex Fitton. You can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and on Instagram at The Adoptive Mom. You can also find the podcast on Facebook at The Adoptive Mom Podcast, making it really easy for you guys. I would also love to thank Patreon supporter Geneva Miller for helping put out this episode of The Adoptive Mom Podcast. So thank you, Geneva. I am thrilled to death to introduce you guys to an amazing author and speaker today, Scarlett Hiltabidal. Scarlett is a very professional wife and mother. She is the author of Afraid of All the Things, and he numbered the pores on my face. She also writes a regular column for Parent Life Magazine. Scarlett loves sign language with her daughters, nachos by herself, writing for her friends, and learning how to be a pretend farmer with her husband in Middle Tennessee. She's also the bio mom to two and adoptive mom to one. All girls, you guys. Her book, Afraid of All the Things, has become a new favorite of mine. You guys, it's so, so good. It feels like it was written just for us as adoptive moms. So she and I talked about fear and the role it plays in doing hard things, and I'm so excited for y'all to sit in on our conversation. But first, I want to tell you guys about my weekly newsletter. Every Monday morning, I send out an email with a Devo or a note from me or something on my mind. Uh, Also, photos that I don't usually post anywhere else, fun stuff that I'm into that week, and direct links for the week's episode. If you're not a part of the club, you're totally missing out. It's free, and sometimes I even send out bonus goodies and discounts and deals. Um, So to sign up, go to theadoptivemompodcast.com slash community. This week, when you sign up, you'll get an extra entry into the contest I'm running to give away a free copy of Scarlett's book, Afraid of All the Things. And if you're already on the list, I'll give you an extra entry anyway, just so you know. Um, Okay, you guys, let's go hear from Scarlett. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. So I'm really excited about the guest today, and I have known about her for um, less than a week now, and (laughs) I felt like a crazy person because I was in Lifeway, and I had a book in hand that I was going to purchase, and then I saw her book, and I saw the word adoption on it, and I immediately like switched out the books, and then I took a picture (laughs) and sent it to her like a crazy person and was like, you have to be on my podcast because you're an adoptive mom and you're awesome. So I've already, I'm into her book. It's amazing, but welcome Scarlett. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be on here. Absolutely. So yes, yeah, so you wrote a whole book, which is so cool. I wrote a whole book. You actually, you've written two whole books, go. right? I've written a couple books. I have another one coming out this summer. I'm very excited about two, but it's oh. not about adoption. So never mind. <laughs> it's totally fine. That's like author goals, man. Putting out two books within a year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Good job. Well, before we get into your story and all the cool stuff you're doing, just take a second and introduce us to your family. Okay, so um, I'm Scarlett, and my book is Afraid of All the Things, and my family is Brandon, who is working from home today, so he is supposed to be wrangling the animals and children out there. Hopefully that works (laughs) out. 
Um, well, he's working. He's supposed to keep them from this zone today. Um, but so Brand is my husband. And I have three daughters. Um, Ever is eight, and she's biological. And then I have um, Joy, who we adopted from China um, two years ago, and she is five. And then my youngest, Brooklyn, who goes by Dewey, which is a long, boring story, um, (laughs) is four, and she is also biological. So Joy is in the middle, um, but we adopted her when my youngest was turning two. My youngest turned two in China when we adopted her. So that was a special birthday (laughs) for her. Yeah. So you're a fellow birth order disruptor. Man, you know, I didn't plan on doing that. And I was even like, I told our agency, like, no, we are definitely going to go in birth order. Um, Yeah. But it was one of those things where we just knew Joy was the one. And so we went out of birth order and it's worked out. (laughs) That's awesome. So how far are uh, Dewey and Joy? (laughs) <laughs> they're t- about two years apart, but, um, we used to call them the international twins because when we first brought joy into our family, she was actually much smaller than Dewey because of malnourishment and all that was going on with her medically. Um, and since now she's actually a little bit bigger than Dewey. Um, but they're like just a ball of giggling, sometimes fighting, but they're like, you know, Kind of on the same. Joy's really doing great now, but they were on the same level for a long time. But yeah, they're a couple years apart, but international twins for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, you're cracking me up because um, actually, as of this recording last night, I did a whole post on accidental twins because I have a couple of those as well, and I said oh, I called man. them frenemies because I was like, either they're <laughs> best friends and they are like yes. tracking with each other, or they are screaming yeah. and actually biting each other. And so yeah, yeah, that's you, what it's like. Here. You're speaking my language. Yes, for sure. Oh man. Okay. Well, you know, you've alluded to it talking about bringing joy home, but what was your adoption story? You know, what led you to that point and, uh, you know, up till now? Yeah. It's a really long story. So here we go. Buckle (laughs) Um, up guys. I'll try to be as brief as possible, but I'm not very good at that. Um, okay. So I know it's usually the other way around, but my husband always wanted to adopt. I feel like most stories I hear the wife is like, please let's do it. And the husband's resistant. He, before I met him, wanted to adopt, and it was, I don't know if your audience is mostly faith has, you know, oh, yeah. faith was involved in the decision, but um, for him, that was like 100% what drew him to adoption was just the spiritual reality of, um, you know, we believe we're Christians. We believe that we were adopted into God's forever family through Jesus, and so that idea just was really beautiful to him when he became a Christian and he had someone speaking at a chapel, I think it was in his college or something. And he was talking about adoption in some country in Africa. Um, And so when I met him, um, we were in our twenties and he was like, this is something I want to do someday. And I was like, that's a really awesome idea, but it's probably not for me. So that was kind of, and it was about fear because that has been my thing of my life. Um, But adoption was just a really scary idea to me. So it was just kind of a non-starter in our relationship, something that I thought was a really great thing that people do, but something I thought I was not capable of ever doing. Right. Um, so very long, very long story short, you could read the book and you'll see all, all the fears and all the stuff that kept me from adoption for so long. But um, I, yeah, I just had a very defensive stance about life. I was, I became a Christian um, when I was 14, but um just the interesting thing with my testimony, not interesting, but the pivotal moment in my testimony um, happened just about eight years ago when I met this woman who kind of explained the gospel to me in a way that I had not considered because I, you know, you grow up in church. 
I went to Christian school. You hear what the gospel is, which is what I just told you. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. Because of that, we have access to our Father God. We are in his forever family. We're children of God. I knew that. I believed that. But I had this, like, faulty idea that I had to earn God's favor. Um, Like, okay, I believe that Jesus did all the work. However, what if he looks at me and says, doesn't say, well done, my good and faithful servant? What if he says, depart from me, I never knew you? So I had this underlying anxiety about that all the time until I met this woman who kind of just practically laid out that the gospel is for every moment, everything. So she was like, as a parent, she's like, when I snap at one of my children who's throwing a tantrum or fight with my husband, I don't despair in that. I use that as an opportunity to point my family to our weakness. Like, we are weak. We need Jesus every moment. And then, you know, I apologize to them. I show them what repentance looks like through prayer. Anyway, this really did help me get to the adoption point because understanding that and being like, oh, I don't have to despair in my failures. I don't have to, like, strive to be perfect in every area as a mom and in my job and everything. I can rest in the finished work of Jesus. That just kind of colored everything, and it started changing my marriage and all my friendships and my everything, parenting. So when God started strategically putting chess piece adoptive families in my path, which is what it felt like because it was like I couldn't get away from it, um, it was like my heart was more and more ready the more and more I was learning to rest and not be so scared of everything all the time. So um, basically the thing that led to adopting Joy was I have— like I said, people were around me. I ran into this family, distant fam- relatives of mine who adopted two little girls from China with special needs. And I, I saw their family. I was a little uncomfortable, honestly, because it was very convicting to see like what to me at the time, I thought, what a radical act of obedience to the Lord that I am probably not willing to do. Um, and then I saw them again and they were so normal. <laughs> and it was like, oh, these are just humans who believe the gospel and brought some kids who needed, who needed them into the, you know, one of them is missing an arm. It was just a beautiful, and they had biological kids as well. So that stuck with me. And it all kind of led to this conversation between my oldest daughter. She was five at the time and God just kind of dropped the desire on me and all the fear. It was very supernatural thing. That's hard to explain, but I just started crying. I suddenly had this desire to adopt a little girl with special needs from China and I had no fear about it. And I wasn't afraid anymore of the forms that where you have to check off which gender or ethnicity or special needs you're willing to adopt. I was just like, no, I know this is what God has called us to. My husband was so immediately on board because he'd been waiting for me to catch up with him, you know. And so we just moved forward. God led us to joy. And it's been two years and it's pretty amazing, the whole adoption experience. Yes. And that, I mean, that's so awesome. And I imagine it was pretty healing for you just even to like, to follow through on all the steps and like, now she's here, you know what I mean? And I, I can only imagine, but I'm super, I'm really excited to talk about how your book and adoption kind of came together. Um, I mean the concept for your book, because within adoption as adoptive parents, you know, there's, there's so much fear involved, you know, how, how are they going to end up? Are they going to have questions about their, you know, their story that I don't know how to answer? Are they going to fall away from Christ, which is what we don't Mm -hmm. want. And I think that even though, you know, within the gospel, there's even, there's even, you know, steps for that. There's grace for that, Mm -hmm. but we still get scared. We're still like, no, we have to fix it. It's up to us, you know? And totally. And so, 
like, I think that, you know, a, a great segue into having that conversation about fear and adoption is just to talk about your book. Um, and so I, I will admit I haven't had enough time to actually like, I haven't finished it. That was my goal, but mm-hmm. I am not too much further past, um, your story about that woman. And I will be honest, since I read that, even, even, you know, yesterday and today, I've had that on my mind in my interactions Mm. with my children and just saying like, if my ultimate goal is to point them to Christ, how do I act? If my ultimate goal is to make them obey and behave, that's a different story. And so exactly, it's changing, you know, it's changing my mindset even two days into it. So isn't that cool? I just, it gives me chills because like, People who are very churched, my church calls it, my church is a, quote, gospel-centered church, which means we're just a church, but every song they pick and every sermon that they preach, they try to get to the heart of the gospel, which is what you're talking about. Um, I, just, I, I lose my train of thought once in interview, so this is the moment, which is a good, it's early, so it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> we're not missing anything to do. Hold on, what we're saying. Um, oh, just how cool that, like, God would use this mom in Miami, because I lived in Miami at the time. And it's like, I don't know her, know her. Like we were together for five minutes at a retreat and I have just been telling everyone how impactful that was on me because it's like, when you're a Christian, you kind of feel like, oh, okay, I know the the gospel. But then sometimes you just, you know, have an interaction with a person in a room or a line in a book and you're like, oh, wait, but I can actually have joy and peace, (laughs) you know? And that's what Elizabeth helped me see. So I'm so happy every time I hear that it touches someone else's life. And, you know, anyway. That's so cool. But, yeah, and, so I, cool. and I agree. I think that um, that whole joy and peace, you know, I our church actually just got done. Um, we did a sermon series based on the book um, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And mm-hmm. that was something that he really impressed upon his readers was just that if we, if we believe what the Bible says, if we believe the gospel and that the Holy Spirit gives us peace beyond understanding, why don't we live like that? And that was yeah. like, oh, yeah. I know I just hit my microphone, and, so I'm sorry. And it's hard because, no, no. And it's hard because like I was wired to be like, okay, well, I'm doing it wrong. I better strive, strive, strive more. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is when you're just like soaking in the truth of of the gospel, of the good news, you know, then it really does start to change you and help you learn to have that peace. So yeah, that's really cool. Absolutely. Um, so just walk us through, I mean, obviously we definitely want you guys to go purchase the book, Afraid of All the Things. And obviously that will be in the show notes, how you can do that, but just give us an overview, you know, walk us through kind of your, your outline of this book and what led you to write it. Okay. So, um, like I said, what led me to write it was it's been the biggest struggle of my life. Um, I wrote the baby, do I, I think I have it in here. I don't know. I wrote the baby rough draft of it when I was nine because I always wanted to write books and I was not a Christian yet. So it was just like a list of a really long, like 40 page list of scary things, (laughs) um, which I call a dark, I call it a dark comedy, but, um, it was like, so that's when it all started. But honestly, my interaction with Elizabeth is what made me want to write this book because, um, it is just, it's kind of a memoir. Um, it's my, kind of my different seasons of life. Um, how I have been so anxious and panicked seasons. I've gone on medicine for it because it was like out of control mm-hmm. seasons that I turned away from the Lord because of, you know, I had a, I had a ectopic pregnancy that ruptured and I didn't understand how could God let this happen. And so rather than running to him with my pain, I ran from him. And I just talk about how that shook out, which was not good. And like what brought, brought me back. And then I talk about other times where I got to, I ran to him 
And I got to experience that Philippians 4, 7 piece that surpasses all understanding. And um, there's a whole chapter on adoption in here. But let me see. You said the layout of the book. I think it's, uh, oh, sorry. Um, the first section is my fears do not define me. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. okay. My fears do not define me. My fears cannot defeat me and my fears are not forever. And so it's just kind of this idea of like, I didn't write this book. Like I've conquered fear and so can you. Here's the how-to. It's more like, let's look at Jesus because we live in a really broken, sad, scary place, and he's our only hope, and he is real, and when we look at eternity, the things of this world grow strangely dim. Like, that's real. And so, it's just, that's what it is. It's, I hope that it brings hope to people. Um, I tried to be really real in it with my struggle, you know, adoption struggles, you know. Adoption's really hard. We, me and my husband say it's the hardest, best thing ever. Mm-hmm. It's, been the best decision we've ever made for our family. It's also really, really hard. And like you said, really scary. And even though God gave me that peace in leading us into the process, when I met Joy, I was terrified because, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, in a few minutes, but um, just there's been so many fears and new seasons and new fears, and Jesus is always with us. That's what the Bible, that's the hope of the Bible. It's hope of God's word, and that's what I've experienced and that's what the book is. So, and, and I tried to write it lighthearted to make people laugh because um, I think that's important when you're scared is to laugh. So it is very funny. It. In the first chapter, uh, you oh. talk a lot about appendicitis, and that is just really, <laughs> really, really funny. Um. <laughs> I, I collapsed thinking my appendix was rupturing, which I can laugh about now, but I did not at the time. <laughs> I just love that you, you carried it over and made it kind of like the theme of the whole chapter. Like I was feeling, what did you say? I was feeling very appendicitis or something like that. I don't know. Oh no. My appendix felt rupturish. It yes. did. And it, it did not rupture, but I thought it was. I was little, <laughs> you guys. Okay. No, no, no. It was just so funny. You guys, it's, it's a really funny book and I'm really, it's also just so impactful as we've already been talking about. But, um, so let's talk about joy. Um, let's talk about some of those, some of those hard things. So, you know, I, how, how old was she when you adopted her? Okay. So here's a brief look at Joy. So Joy was almost four when we adopted her and all we knew about her. So, you know, the form they give you of like all the special needs and you check yes, no, or may consider. And so for Joy, um, well, before Joy, we, both my husband and I felt very like, we felt very yes about deafness. And it's funny because I don't think we had ever even interacted with a deaf person, met a deaf person maybe. And it was like, we didn't check yes to just deafness, but that was one that we were both like, huh, I wonder why we both feel yes about this. Um, and you know, it's like, we, I don't know. We just felt like we're going to adopt a deaf girl. It was weird. It was just from the Lord. And, um, okay, sorry. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to condense this. So basically we had decided we were open to that. Our agency found Joy, and she was, like I said, not in birth order. And I had actually been looking at all those advocate websites, and I had seen her the same day, and I had sent her picture to Brandon, like, hey, she's actually not, it wouldn't be birth order. But I had, we had already seen her picture. So when the agency called, I was like, are you calling about so-and-so? <laughs> You're like, yes. And so um, we just decided then to like, just not say no. Um, we weren't like, yes, we're going immediately. It was just like, okay, let's just take the next step and see what God does with this. And, um, you know, after asking questions and getting more, a couple of video clips, we learned that she couldn't walk for some reason. She was not potty trained and her size was like, she was the size of an 18 month old, but Mm. she was almost four. And all that stuff was not stuff we had checked yes to, but it was like, and we took it to doctors and 
they were like, you know, she might have some underlying syndrome. One of the doctors said, I urge you to not do this. Uh, or he said, what did he say? I forgot. Something like that. But wow. He said, oh, he said, I would, he said, I would proceed with really great hesitation if you're going to do this. And then I was like, okay, we're going to do this. Will you still be our doctor? <laughs> because we're going to do it. Because we just really, we prayed about it. We just knew like, okay. And it was scary. And we had moments, you know, a couple moments. And I remember one really important moment for me and Brandon, I was having like a wave of fear, like the day we had to decide yes or no to her. And the doctors were like, I told you. And Brandon was like, um, he said, I was like, what is this going to mean for, you know, we lived in a townhouse at the time with stairs. I'm like, she can't walk. Like I'm not prepared for this in my brain. And he was like, you know, you know, we were praying about it. He was like, I just, he said, we're never going to look, no matter how hard it is, we're never going to look back and say, bringing any orphan into our family was a bad decision. Like no matter how hard it is, she's a person and she needs a family and let's just, you know, and we both decided, okay, you know what? Let's, let's just say yes. So we said, yes, we met her and she was even medically worse off than we could have even imagined. We were the people in the travel group getting sympathy eyes from all the other people oh, man. who had hard, you know, I mean, all the China adoptions are special needs adoptions. And as you know, as an adoptive mom, they train you all international adoptions are special needs options because it's just, you know, just be prepared for that because of all the trauma they've been through. But um, she was just, she couldn't really sit up on her own. She wasn't pointing, wasn't waving. Her eyes didn't focus. Like it was just, we were like, oh my goodness. And so I had a panic moment for sure. And um, wait, what did you, what did you ask me? I don't want to like go off on a tangent. You Girl, you are fine. And her special needs. Yeah. So that was like, so when we met her, it was kind of like we had no clue what was going on. And then we brought her home and, you know, they tell you just survive China and then just come home because China is really just hard and the, the kids are traumatized and it was really hard. God was really kind and he was with us. And I have so many stories of how he like met us there. One of the coolest ones was my husband was having a moment of extreme fear and sadness because it was kind of like a grieving too. Cause we were like, we had learned sign language for a year. Um, and we were learning to sign the gospel and we're like, we're going to teach her about Jesus with our hands. Cause she can't hear. And, um, and then just to meet her and be like, Oh, she might not even ever know that like, this is wow. You know, like she might never interact with us at all. Um, we were on a bus with the travel group and anyway, long story short, um, God remind the Holy Spirit reminded my husband of Romans eight fifteen, which is for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of something as sons by whom we cry Abba Father. Or he couldn't remember the second half of the verse, and it's the sp- you've received the spirit of adoption. And it was so cool because he was like, "What is that verse?" And he had to wait to like check his Bible to see that that was the verse God gave him, like "You are my adopted son," and that was so comforting to us. And Anyway, we brought her home. We found out she had more medical stuff we didn't even know about. Um, but after a seri- so many doctor's visits, our main pediatrician said, I really think that her main problem was neglect and that she's going to recover from all this and be fine. And that has been the case. I mean, it's been a miracle to watch her recover because she is like advanced in her communication. She's fluent in sign language. Her physical therapy just ended because the lady's like, she can do everything now, so she doesn't need me anymore. And I know not every adoption story is like that. Um, And I have so many stories that aren't adoption that are just hard things in life that I've prayed God would change and restore and a miracle would happen. I write about one of them in the book where I prayed for something and then the miracle I wanted didn't come. Um, But I love giving glory to God when he does do these huge miracles. And Joy's life is just 
a huge miracle. She's like doing amazing. It's been two years. So that's joy. Yeah. Oh, and girl, I mean, so you learn sign language, which is really, really cool. And I actually, um, I've shared you with a couple of my like signing friends that they're Aww. like, Oh, I didn't know about her. So they're really excited to just to, you know, hear this episode, but also to read your book and everything else. So it's really cool that you guys stepped out and did something new and scary, um, for the sake of another kid. And I think that even in the adoption world, that's outside of our comfort zone. That's outside of our norm. I mean, you know, we're saying, what can we handle in our home? right now, not what can we equip ourselves to handle in our home. And I mean, that was even our story. You know, we, we adopted. And I think that, you know, you said all international adoptions are special needs. I think that, I mean, we adopted out of foster care and all of those are special Mm -hmm. needs too. So like, I just, I've always said, if you're an adoptive mom, you need to be in counseling. Your kids need to be, you know, you need to be surrounding yourselves with people pouring into you because adoption is, it comes from brokenness. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. in and of itself, it is brokenness and it's, you know, trying to, to restore something with God's grace, um, that that's broken. And so, you know, when you're taking things like that and you're, you're, you're trying to work together with this team of people that you've surrounded yourself with to overcome some of these struggles, you know, tying it back to that, that can be really scary because there's moments Mm -hmm. where you're like, what if, what if not, what if this doesn't work? What if I am not enough? Um, and so Mm -hmm. how did you, how did you overcome some of those, you know, those realizations. Cause I think that even though we have these pivotal moments where we're like, Oh, I don't have to be enough because Jesus is enough. And then the next mm-hmm. day we forget it. <laughs> totally. So, so yeah. like, what was your, what was your journey there to realizing like, I'm, I'm not enough for this, this child. It has to be God. That's a really great question, Alex. Um, and that's something that I, like you said, I have to remind myself every single day. And that's like the thing of this book and my life and the fear thing and everything in my life is, I've realized and learned that I'm so forgetful of the truth of that, like you said, that Jesus is enough, that I don't have to be enough. I forget that sometimes hourly. So like, I have to be really intentional about something that has been really life-changing for my husband and I both. um, Well, well, I'll say this and then I'll go back, but it's just preaching the truth of the gospel to ourselves and what he's, what God's done in our lives um, because it's encouraging and because we forget we forget about, we forget it's true if we don't remind ourselves and just getting friends. And like you said, counseling and community, that's going to speak truth into you when you feel alone and overwhelmed because as an adoptive mom, yes. So like, okay, the first thing I thought of when you were talking was the moment we decided, like you said, to like learn something additional that we didn't plan on. I remember we checked yes. And then I was praying out loud, which I didn't used to do a lot. Now I do it a lot. But I said, God, why would we adjust our lives in such a, like, why am I going to ask my family to do this, to like learn my whole family? I'm thinking of grandparents. I'm thinking like, why are we going to adjust our lives to do something like this? And the Holy Spirit, it was one of those like rare moments where, you know, God is talking to you, you know, in such a specific way. And he said, look how I adjusted my life for you. And it was the coolest moment because it was like, I had all this fear after we checked yes. And then it was like instant peace. Like, oh yeah, look how you adjusted your life for me. That's why my husband wanted to adopt in the first place. And that's like the biggest gift in this whole thing is how, how you can't forget the truth, the reality of what God's done for you when you are actively caring for a child, you know, in this way. Um, anyway, it's harder to forget, but, um, yeah. So one of the most impactful things for me was honest people, like what you're doing with your podcast and like sitting in living rooms with adoptive moms where they were like, Hey, these are my real feelings. And this is how hard it really is. 
And yeah. I had a, um, a friend who said, and she was one of those chess piece adoptive moms that I felt like I was at picking up one of my daughters from ballet and she was on her way um, to another country to go adopt. And she just said, you know, attachment is really, really hard because I have biological kids and it was natural and instant. They grew in my body, they came out and it was like we were already bonded, but it's not the same with my new adopted child. To be honest with you, I had this like back of my mind judgment before I adopted because I thought, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to struggle with attachment. How could you, how could you see a child who's in this traumatic situation and feel anything but compassion and an overflow of love? Like that's, I didn't, I wouldn't have said that, but it was clear by my response in China and by watching all the training videos where they were like, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And I'm like, yeah, but I'll be fine, but I'll be fine, but I'll be fine. Um, and then I met her and it was hard and it continues. I mean, loving her is not hard, but it is hard to parent through trauma. And attachment is hard because, it, it you know, you are parenting a child. Like you said, it's all born out of broke. I forgot how you worded it, but it's adoption is birthed out of trauma. You know, like this child is leaving their family that they were born into. And so it's hard for them and it's hard for the parents too. And I think there's just so much grace in being honest and having your people who you can be really honest with and, um, and loved, you know, it's like, I can say how I feel and still be loved and supported. And like you said, get a great Christian counselor, um, who can support you and just don't isolate yourself when you're feeling these hard feelings because, I don't know. You asked what my journey is with it. It is still something that I, you know, because it's like parenting joy is very different than parenting my other children. And so does she scream for hours on end anymore when she sees a picture that reminds her of who knows what? No, you know, we're past that early trauma stuff and she is unbelievably well-adjusted for what she's been through, but she has unique struggles And she responds very uniquely, not like my other children who have had constant love and attention their whole lives. You know, it's just different. Um, And I don't know what I would do without the support that I have in, I'm going to counseling next week. Okay. That's real life. Like I'm going to go to counseling next week. I am honest with my friends and my friends are honest with me and we all love our kids. And it's just really great to have the support of like what you're doing is so awesome, Alex, because it's like if, you know, if we were all just in our little individualized homes trying to get through this, how would we get through this? I don't know. Because like you said, we forget the truth. We'd forget um, that we don't have to be enough. You know, the world says you're enough, you're strong. But I believe that it's the Bible teaches the opposite. We are not enough. We are weak. We need to be dependent on the Lord for every breath. And that's the most freeing truth ever. And I just, yeah, that's my journey with it. I'm still in it. I don't know. I'm still learning and it's, it's still hard and beautiful. And um, yeah. This episode of the Adoptive Mom Podcast is brought to you by Smiles Are Wild, a branch of Pediatric Dental Associates and Orthodontics. Smiles Are Wild is a podcast and a blog dedicated to partnering with parents on not just dental hygiene, but on keeping our kids from hard places healthy in every aspect of life. One of my favorite recent blog posts of theirs was on partnering with your child's teacher to ensure our kids have the best opportunities possible. Amy Morgan talks about all kinds of ways to make appointments, travel, school breaks, and more survivable for parents of kids from hard places. You guys, that's us. So check them out at smilesarewild.com slash blog and hear the Smiles Are Wild podcast wherever you like to listen. 
I just, I think it's funny. You're saying all the things that like I have been saying for, you know, years since we got our children into our homes is just that, you know, Mm -hmm. when we, I was the same way, you know, we went through the training and they were like, this is the stuff that you could deal with. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's probably not going to happen to us, but if it does, then it's fine because God gave me this passion for adoption and that's going to overcome everything and I'm going to be fine. And then I wasn't. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really know what to do with that. You know, when everything was just like shambles in front of me and I was asking questions like, God, where are you? You know, this passion Mm -hmm. that led me to adoption. It's just like, what happened here? You know, and, Mm -hmm. um, why don't I love him? Why don't I feel like his mom? Why don't I, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, Mm um, and to, to put those pieces back together for myself, you know, I've said before that this, this adoption journey, I feel like was as much for me as it was for my kids that I needed Mm -hmm. to, to get over myself a little bit and to realize that I wasn't (laughs) anyone's savior, that only, only Jesus can do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, talking about just the fear and the, you know, everything that you were talking about, I, you know, I am currently on medication for anxiety. And that's something that I talked about a few um, episodes ago. We uh, had a conversation just about adoption and mental health and how, um, how our mental health issues as mothers um, can become, you know, compounded and extreme whenever we're dealing with trauma, you know, actual evil Mm -hmm in our homes yeah. and we're, we're taking wow. that on and saying yes to really hard things and how that can just destroy us inside if we're not careful and if we let it and if we're not pointing ourselves to Jesus. So, you know, we know that fear is a primary, um, a primary emotion and there's a lot of secondary emotions that, co- that can come out of it. So, you know, I'm going to ask you a really personal question, but what, what were some, what are some of those secondary emotions that you've struggled with because of fear? That's hard. I feel like with my, I don't know. So like with my anxiety, it's like fight or flight panic mode mm-hmm. when I'm feeling it. Um, <clears throat> in the past, and this was pre-adoption because I'm really thankful. I've kind of learned to not shut community out when I feel panicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the past, like before Joy, um, like I had a season of, and I don't really go depression very often, but I have a couple times. But I always had a season of anxiety and depression when I was pregnant with my youngest because it's just a really hard pregnancy and I was really sick. And I just, you know, when you're sick, you just don't want to be around people. But I was also like really anxious and depressed and I didn't want to let anyone in on that. Um, Man, I don't know. That's a hard question. Um, But I think you've answered it really well Um, because that's something that, you know, I think that a lot of people struggle with is that whenever especially I'm an ex, I'm an extrovert. I'm an external processor. You know, I am mm-hmm. so community driven, um, hospitality, all that stuff, but whatever, you know, mm-hmm. when, when fear kicks in and it turns into anxiety, I, I do, I shut people out. I just, I kind of, I joke that, um, like when your body gets an infection and it shuts down all your limbs and it just like focuses on the core, that's kind of what I do. I'm like, everything else can be blocked mm-hmm. out. I just got to focus yeah. on what's immediate. And, um, yeah. and often it's, you know, it's counterintuitive, but that community that reaching out is what, um, I don't know what's it, what, what is intended of the church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I, I don't know. I just, I love your story and I love that you've been able to, um, I don't know, to talk about adoption through the lens of this fear, this fear stuff. And it's such a hard topic to tackle. And I think that like, that's, that's why I asked that question, just because I think that fear is one of those things that is underlying in a lot of our behaviors, a lot of our decisions, a lot of our, um, you know, what we're, 
what we say no to, what we say mm-hmm. yes to, is it's based out of fear a lot of the time. And I think that when you really look at the gospel, fear can sometimes look like the opposite of that, the opposite of the gospel. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And mm. it's it's really interesting, especially when you pair that with adoption. And so, um, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you guys are, you know, dealing with now with adoption and how has writing this book and, and this realization that you had eight years ago, how has that affected the way that you live your life every day now with your kids and um, with especially Joy? Yeah. I'm so thankful that I'm like doing this interviews and stuff where I'm having to talk through what God's done in me over and over because it like we, well, like I've said a million times on here already, it's about remembering the truth, you know, because I'm so forgetful. Um, currently with joy, man, you know, it's hard talking about adoption because you don't want to, you know, it's like, I want to share what I should share and I want to be open and helpful. I would say in a public place, I would say it's really important to have people that you feel like you can share any single thought with. And our sign language instructor was really great before we adopted Joy. And she was like, you guys need to get into a practice of saying, hey, give me 30 seconds to just like say the worst feelings that you've ever heard. <laughs> and like, no judgment. Love me anyway. You know, just because <laughs> like like we just said, like isolation is the word. You can't do that. Like sin, fear, it all just grows and gets worse and worse and worse when you're isolated. Um, but okay, so specifically with Joy, the fear thing. I guess my fear, so like before I met her, one of my general adoption fears was like, how are my other kids going to be? Because you have that maternal love for your kids, you know, and it's like you would do anything to protect them. You're going to bring an outside child in and say, this is also my child. So I had fear about, you know, is is she going to be aggressive? Is she going to be loving? Um, is Are they going to love her enough? Are they going to be jealous of each other? Is my love, is she going to think I love them more than her? Are they going to think that I'm giving her special attention because she's adopted? All those fears. So have they gone away? No, not totally. I mean, it's like God gave me peace and rest and totally everything we needed in the process. And then bringing her home, you know, it's like, are they, they're regular sisters. They love each other. One of the coolest answers to prayer was like, once we were funded and had everything we needed, people would say, how can we help you? And I was like, can you pray that my youngest is not jealous and loves her? Because I I had a baby in diapers, you know, I didn't, I was really scared of that. And that was a prayer that was so answered because my youngest adores her. And like, my youngest is probably the greatest gift joy that the Lord will ever give joy because the way that she treats her, I could just cry talking about it. Like she it's, she's a kid, so she doesn't have the fears of an adult. Like, she doesn't look at every little behavior and think, oh, no. You know, she just loves her. Like, they're blood-related, and it's beautiful. Um, okay, here's an example. So I'm going to be a little bit vague, but this is just an interesting thing that goes with having a deaf kid. So she has a hearing aid where she can hear, but she can't speak, um, and she can hear under, like, the perfect circumstances. So in a quiet room, I can just talk, and she now understands English. But in a restaurant or in the pool, you know, she can't we sign, but we try to sign and talk at the same time. But anyway, um, I heard some sister fighting happening. When you're a mom, you can tell what the screams are. It wasn't a pain scream. It was like a, ah, ah, you know, sorry, that was kind of loud. Um, I heard some sister fighting. I went in and, um, you know what? I'm just going to tell this full story because it's fine. Okay. (laughs) I just decided I'm going to tell the full story. I love the processing as you go. (laughs) I'm processing as I go. I'm like, you know what? This is okay to share. I went into the room and I was like, um, 
what happened? And then Dewey was crying and like holding her neck. And then I was like, what happened? And then I said, and I'm signing joy. What did you do to Dewey? And then she signed, I choked Dewey. And so in my brain, the fear of like what I just told you, what I was afraid of before I ever said yes to adoption, like, did she just like try to strangle my youngest daughter? Like what is going on here? I was so, I was really upset. I like sat her in a room, tried to like be calm. Like what on earth is happening? I go in there and I'm looking at Joy and I'm like, what? So I start signing with her, trying to get the story out. (laughs) And then my youngest comes up to the glass because I had like this glass door shut so she could see us, but we were in another room. And then um, my little one was like signing. She kind of, my little one signs and speaks most everything she says. And she was like, "Um, no, she said, mommy, Joy choked me because she was pulling my dress to try to move me to the bed. So I realized there is a sign for choking and it looks like strangling is the sign for the word choke. So when I asked Joy what happened, she's telling me, oh, I choked Dewey. But then Dewey is telling me, oh, yeah, it choked me because she was like trying to get me out of the way. So that's a whole different thing, you know, right? Like there's no malicious, scary, violent thing happening here. And so to answer your question... (laughs) Stuff like that is hard because it's like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know what Joy's past is. And and that's a hard thing. You know, you don't, you know, adoption and the trauma, it brings new hard things that weren't in your home. It brings them in. And so I don't know. I don't know. So you said, how does like what I've learned and what I wrote about affect that? I just, I really try to give grace to my family and grace to myself because we're all just every moment. I want, I want our home to be a home where we are all pointing each other to the Lord and forgiving each other freely. And where I'm, I want them to remember that I apologized a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important and not like in a way that's like, I'm the worst. I'm sorry. Do whatever you want. But like when I can recognize that I did something wrong, like maybe I was not gracious in how I signed or spoke to joy (laughs) then I want her to see me having remorse and saying, I'm sorry. Um, because that's huge, you know, because even if we tried to be perfect moms, um, uh, perfect parents, we would not be able to, you know, Romans three twenty three. we cannot do that. Um, so it's really beautiful and freeing to me that I can take every moment failures and just say, children, I need Jesus every day, just like you need Jesus every day. And, you know, when we, that was a horrible moment, honestly, like that was a horrible moment when I thought that that was happening and the whole experience of it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Stuff like that. That's hard stuff, you know? Absolutely. Oh, and then the icing on the cake was because my kids signed, I dropped them off at church and they're in the same classroom. And Dewey tells me later that she told her teacher, I forgot how she worded it, but it was like, I told my teacher that Joy wasn't going to get to have art and dessert because she choked me on my bed. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. what? <laughs> you know, like, okay, here we go. <laughs> need to, like, have a long talk with your teacher. Joy yeah. can have art and dessert. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, been there. It's, we, so we I have. I don't know what I'm doing. My point is I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> we have three within 16 months of each other. Wow. So we have our accidental twins because I had two bios, which were 16 months apart. And then God was like, how about another one? So, um, wow. yeah, so I was pregnant with my daughter, um, very pregnant. And my son was just like dropped off on my porch. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's how that happened. But they are all wow. just, there's so much noise all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm definitely with you. You know, those screams that you were talking about, you're in the other room and you like hear the scream and you wait. You're like, is there a follow-up or was that just, okay, we're good, you know, and then, yeah. yeah. So, um, well, are you cool with us getting into some of these closing questions? Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I've, I'm in love with your story. It's just really, really cool to hear how God has worked in your life. And I think that it's so applicable to us as adoptive moms just over and over and over again. And so I'm thrilled. Um, I'm thrilled that you've been able to share your wisdom. And so my first question is always, um, what do you wish you had known at the beginning of this journey? Um, I think, I guess what I tell, I guess what I would tell myself would be listen to the listen to the wisdom of the people who are training you and giving you advice and being honest with you because that was my hang up was pride and just thinking I got this like God put it this desire he provided this was all from him and it was like a spiritual pride that I had which is wrong you know somehow that snuck in there um I was depending on him and then I was depending on me and like I can do this so I yeah that would be the thing listen to when people tell you think something's hard, listen to them and absorb it and just ask God to give you the strength for it. But don't ever try to be, uh, what is, how does my husband say it? Uh, be very distrustful of your own heart. You know, the heart is deceitful above all things. I forgot what verse that is, but like, it's really weird that you can, that I can go months and months thinking spiritually I'm fine. And then like, whoa, I'm not fine at all. Like I totally had this pride and I totally thought that I could handle this on my own. Um, so yeah, I would say listen and, and try to come at everything in life humbly. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I love that. Yeah. Cause I, I do that too, where you're like, everything's great. And then it's like the next day you're like, Whoa, I yeah. kind of suck. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. What do you wish you had done differently? Hmm. Um, what do I wish I had done differently? I can't like look back at any part of the process. I don't know, man. I, this whole adoption thing in our family has been so from the Lord and I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think same answer. I think something that I'm learning right now in just my life, um, and it's about anxiety, but just about how I approach life is, um, what is it? First Peter five, six, and seven, um, verse seven is like the coffee mug verse, um, cast all your, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm-hmm. That verse used to bother me a ton. Cause I'd be like, okay, casting them. I still feel scared, you know, and still, honestly, I struggled with this two days ago. Okay. So I'm still doing this, practicing what I'm saying to do. But, um, if you go one verse back, that's the second half of a sentence. One verse before it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he will exalt you, comma, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So I'm just learning, humble yourself. And like, I think I used to think that meant be self-deprecating, be like, oh, I'm the worst. That's not what humility is. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis and then Rick Warren said it a little differently. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And like you said, it's like this whole adopting thing, fostering to adopt whatever you're doing it, rem- it helps you get over yourself because you're like, like you said, we are not saviors. Um, and I think that even though I thought I was humble, I, I wasn't. And I think that that's just, I think all of us have a tendency to slip out of humility as soon as we realize we have it. You know, it's like, I'm being humble. Let me pat myself on the back. And I forgot where I talked about that in the book, but 
what would I do differently? I would be on my knees every day. That's what I'm trying to do now. I fail a lot, but like, just start your day on your knees, start your day remembering how sinful you are and how needy you are. Um, not, I'm going to take over the world today, but like, God, I need you for this next five minutes. Um, I mean, that's what I want for the rest of my life. And that's what would have helped me a lot (laughs) during the whole thing. Mm, That's good stuff, girl. (laughs) Seriously. So, okay. What is your favorite way that your people supported you through your adoption? Oh man. Okay. Let's see. So many things. Um, my favorite way, well, bringing her home was so cool because I felt like a dead person. I was so tired and overwhelmed and just, just the simple act of like people bringing meals. It's such a simple thing, but it's so comforting And I just remember one of the most powerful things that stands out was like the hardest day since we'd been home from China. And I was so tired that I was like, told my then five-year-old, I was like, can you put on a show? I can't move, like give everyone whatever they want. I can't. And I just like collapsed on the couch. We had jet lag still. And then I heard my phone ding and I didn't even look at it. And it was my friend who had found out how to make Joy's favorite food that she had in China and like homemade um, soup noodle and she had left it on the door and then just left because she knew I was not up for smiling and having company. And it was just like little things like that. Like, you know, notes I would get in the mail, God giving a Bible verse to someone I barely knew who said, I don't know why, but I think God wants me to give you this. It was just, it's really cool when you really do open yourself up to community instead of shutting down like I used to do. Um, that was the most beautiful thing to me during the hardest times. (laughs) And what a specific, thoughtful thing to do to not just make your family a meal, but to, you know, to, to reach her heart in a way that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't in-person interaction between her and your daughter, but it was still reaching her heart in a way that she knew how to do that. And that's just really cool. Um, Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And so the flip side of that is always, what did you, what is the way that you felt misunderstood or hurt by your community? And I always ask that just because I I think that people need to know, they need to know (laughs) what, you know, what not to do kind of. Yeah. Well, I'll say I had a few hard conversations when we were in the process. Um, And something that my husband has taught me just by knowing him and doing life next to him, he has this kind of like really supernatural, amazing grace lens with people where like if people are acting really mean and horrible, he can still just like look at them with the Jesus lens and be like, well, like, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt and this must be what they're going. Like, he really, he doesn't talk bad about people. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Um, I've learned so much from him. So, like, did I have hard conversations with people um, who didn't understand why we would put finances and time, you know, people, you know, family members from an older generation who were like, what are you doing to your family? You know, like, and they grew up in another time. They're like, you know, is this safe for your children kind of thing. I had some of those kind of conversations and they ended up, they were really hard, but really cool redemption things happened in all of them because, um, you know, those people getting to see what ended up happening came back around like, wow. And I mean, there was restoration in our relationship, but also just like a change of heart. So that was really, I know I'm being kind of vague, but, um, that was really cool. Now, since bringing her home, I haven't had a whole lot of like negative stuff except one thing. And I wrote an article about this. If maybe you can, I'll send you a link to it. Um, but it was yeah. about getting my nails. It was about getting my nails done because when I entered the deaf community, I noticed I had fingernails for the first time. And so I got this nail place by my house, and 
the um, Vietnamese subculture is largely, it, it's like kind of a foreign adoption and the gospel is kind of a foreign concept because I started talking to them. They would see joy. They would start asking questions. And a lot of their questions, and I list some of them in the article, like if I just said them to you, you'd be like, that is horribly offensive. But I'm never offended by them because I know it's not coming from a place of, I want to hurt you. It's coming from a place of, what? You know, like, what did you do? And I, I, what my husband has taught me is to, like, look at their question and, like, okay, how can I educate them and help them see the why and the what and the joy that she has brought to our family? I mean, they say stuff, like, in front of her, how much did she cost? Or why would you, why didn't you just adopt someone normal? Like, these are real questions I've been asked. And, you know... It helps that it's like a lot of them don't speak very good English. Like I can just see that they're just like genuinely like, why, how? And so, um, you know, while I could be offended by that, and I'm sure it'll be different as Joy grows because I don't want, like I want her to know it's not okay for people to say that, you know? Um, but when I first brought her home and she was like sitting where she couldn't hear, it was like, okay, well, let me tell you why. How much did she cost? It's a lot of money, but our church family came around us and they supported us. Why didn't we adopt someone, quote, normal, like you said? Um, we felt like, you know, we believed that we were adopted into God's family. We believe that we have special needs and that God, you know, took us into his family. Um, and we wanted to do that for, you know, so it's like an opportunity. So is that to say I haven't had hard conversations? No, like, of course I have. But that's what my husband is teaching me. <laughs> No, that's a great answer. I think that, you know, having grace for, um, for those people is really hard, especially when we're hurt, um, already, you know, when we're coming from a place of, you know, we're already, we're already a little raw and it doesn't feel like we can take those things, but still having that grace, man, that's, that's a God thing for sure. Um, so what is your, besides your book, what is your favorite adoption resource? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I love everything that Lifeline Children's Services puts out. They're the agency we used, um, and I love telling people about them. They have a great podcast, and I really like them because they call them, I think they call themselves a hand-holding agency. Like, every step of the way, we didn't feel like only logistics were being handled, but we felt very emotionally and spiritually supported and cared for. Um, so if you're, like, thinking about adoption or, or, like, just, I would follow Lifeline Children's Services. Love them. Um Hmm. I love that. I actually yeah. interviewed a pregnancy counselor from Lifeline on my podcast. How cool. Very cool. They seem like they're doing really cool stuff. And I saw that you interviewed um, the Braniffs. Oh, yeah. And so I don't know them. I've never interacted with them. But when I was thinking about adopt, well, like when we first entered the process, I went to YouTube and I typed in China adoption. And then one of her videos with Rosie came up. And so I've been following their family for a long time. And they've encouraged me and educated me in a ton of ways. So that's really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got, so I got to interview Angie and then, um, and then CR, I I reached out to him just to see if my husband could interview him. And now my husband has a a marketing podcast that he does. So now CR is like guest hosting on my husband's podcast. So they're like buddies now. It's really cool that how that connections all come about. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I'll definitely link to Lifeline's uh, podcast in the show notes for you guys. Um, and Scarlett, if you could just sum it all up, what is your greatest piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive families? Um, just cling to Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's enough when we're not, because we're not, we're, ne- we're never enough. But through him, we can get through today. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That is 
my mantra right now, first Peter five, six and seven. <laughs> yeah. Oh that no, and I mean that's you know, when you like take all of the extra stuff away and you just have the Bible and, you know, God's word and your relationship with God, like that's, that's really all that matters in the end. And so I love that that, I don't know. I love that that was your answer just to turn people back to Jesus. Um, okay. So where can we find your book and you on social media and all those other things? Yes. Okay. So my name is really hard to spell both of them, but my first and last name. So I usually send people to afraid of all the things.com because all my stuff is there. So the book links to buy the book, wherever you want to buy books. Um, my Instagram, which is Scarlet Hilt of Idol, but again, it's hard to spell. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm Scarlet E.H., but yeah, just go to that website and you'll find me. <laughs> yes, and I will, you know, of course, I'll be sharing this and I'll tag her in everything. Uh, but Scarlet, I'm just so excited that you sat down with us. So like you've had just amazing things to say and I'm so grateful. You're so encouraging. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. All right, Scarlett, what is your least favorite genre of music? Oh, ah. Uh. Um, oh, I don't know. I'd say country, but I do like some country songs. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, and I understand that. I think that that would be exactly what I would say, actually. So, <laughs> okay. What is in your mind? What is the worst place to get stuck? Um, in an elevator. I don't know. That's just what came out. <laughs> I know. I think that that's what I would like. That's my, my first thought, but I think that, um, I would, it would be scary to get stuck like on a hike or something. I don't know. Ooh, that, I, that one. That's what I want. <laughs> that, that answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who has, who have you been told is your celebrity doppelganger? Oh my goodness. Okay. So I've heard, what's her name? Brittany something who died a few years ago, who was in Clueless. What was Brittany Murphy? Yes. People told Ooh. me that. And then there was a girl who was on Dancing with the Stars like 10 years ago. And she seriously, like, people were like, oh, my goodness, Scarlett, I had no idea you could dance uh, on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. But I think I posted, I, you know, the Facebook memories thing? It pulled up, I don't know, it was like 10 years ago. This is what you said. And I was like, I can't believe I won. And, like, I was joking, but some people thought I was serious. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know her name, but there's somebody out there. Okay, yeah, I'll have to look that up. That's hilarious. Um, I can totally see Brittany Murphy, though, so that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 